Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, everyone. We're here with a classic episode. It's just me for the moment, uh, for reasons. I'm sure you guys understand that the three of us do strange things sometimes, and, you know, the guys are out there doing their thing. So I just want to let you know about this episode. This one is rough. Not going to lie. Just be aware of what you're going into. It's about the Catholic Church. It's about uh, child abuse. And it's about the history of it. Tough episode to make back in 2016 when we made it. And uh, it's going to be tough to listen to it again now. But hey, it's it's important. So I'm glad we're diving in together. Let's do that now. And uh, guys, hey, uh, past guys, take it away. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. And they call me Ben. You are you, the most important part of the show, which makes it stuff they don't want you to know. So, to, to establish this from from the jump, as they say, uh, I am not Catholic. I am not Catholic. Nor am I. Okay. So, so far as I know, I'm not Catholic. Uh, however... We are going to talk about something that examine and explore something that concerns the Catholic Church, 
For a long time on this show, we have had, believe it or not, a couple of principles. And one of the principles is that we're never going to uh, denigrate someone's personal religious beliefs. Believe what you want. You know, it's it's your business. It's a personal thing. Uh, and if you don't believe in anything, then, of course, that's up to you as well. So this podcast, despite concerning the Catholic Church, is not in any way about the religious beliefs or the values or the practices of the church or Christianity in general uh, and so on and so on. But beliefs, as we have found throughout making this show, are different from facts. <laughs> yes, Right. Yeah, that's a good point, Matt. Yeah, beliefs are different from facts. Uh, this is more about facts. This is about an active conspiracy. And in, to be honest with you, a, a series of numerous conspiracies, not theories, not rumors, not scuttlebutt, proven instances of horrific crime. So one thing we promise you, we are not going to be extremely graphic when covering this topic because it is an extremely sensitive one. Uh, we do want to warn you in advance, though, this episode will contain some disturbing content just because of what we're going to be talking about. So I guess we should get into it. Um, shall we have the facts, Ben? <laughs> oh, yes, but of course, no. Uh, let's start at... Uh, the very beginning with the Catholic Church. You've probably already heard this, ladies and gentlemen. According to the Catholic Church, its history dates back to the first century A.D. when Jesus Christ made his disciple Peter the rock upon which the church would be founded. All the other Christian denominations, uh, by and large, mm -hmm. originate from Catholicism. And the Catholic Church has done a lot of good in the world. It's preserved immensely valuable knowledge. It has at times uh, promoted literacy uh, and preserved great works of art. But, also, there are schools involved yep. with the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. Uh, so many charities, so many with all of the different organizations that exist within the Catholic Church itself. Mm -hmm. Or with uh, affiliated organizations, sure, yes. too. Uh, but in the world of Christian belief systems, Catholicism is ancient, which the most fair way to say it is that there has there's just a much larger passage of time here, which means there are many more opportunities for something messed up to occur. And over the past centuries, Catholicism has been associated with or implicated in or directly responsible for numerous atrocities. We have just a few examples. Yeah, some of those include the Crusades. Yes, all-out war that rages across the globe because of differing religious beliefs, different gods. It's one of those things that we still see today with some of the uh, Islamic terrorist activities and the idea of a holy war, you know, that's, this is a good example from history of that. Um, we also have the persecution of heretics, which are basically non-believers, right? Ben? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, uh, it could be non-believers. It could be a group of people who believe in something different. That's not official canon. Uh, this persecution would also include, of course, uh, blasphemers, you know, witch hunts, Inquisitions, things apostates, like that. apostates. Yes. And that kind of persecution wasn't just restricted to heretics, right? You also had anti-Semitism. Mm -hmm. 
And um, a, a good another example of persecution of heretics would be something like the Spanish Inquisition, where mm-hmm. people were tortured and ultimately killed for their beliefs. And, you know, we could do it occurs to me we could do entire episodes on crusades and, and uh, witch hunts in the Spanish Inquisition or just heretics or just yeah. heretics. Yeah, heretic thought. Mm-hmm. One person's heretic is another one's. Reformer, yeah, I you know, or like starting a new religion. In fact, if you guys uh, know the movie The Witch, which we were yeah. a big fan of, it starts with uh, the father, a patriarch of the film, being exiled from his community, uh, which is in a, a settlement in the New World or whatever, and it's because he takes a different approach to his religious belief. It's never really gone into specifically, mm-hmm. but it's enough that the um, Higher ups in the church deem him to be a heretic or an apostate and they exile him and his family out into the wilderness. Right. And in, in this time and space, I guess, uh, where we are now, it may seem strange or these may seem like relatively minor disagreements in dogma or in the details of something. But in those days, uh, Descent of any sort was it was tremendously controversial. Also, uh, in the past, uh, the Catholic Church assisted with some horrific col- colonization. Yes, you know, uh, subjugation of native peoples throughout the world, uh, and has, is on record at least some officials in the Catholic Church uh, aiding and abetting Nazis and fascists. Now, before it sounds like. We're doing some kind of hit piece because we are listing a lot of terrible things that occurred over a, a history of thousands of years. Yeah, you go back to what the 11th century when a lot of the Crusades were happening, mm-hmm. 11th to 16th century. Then you go further, further back to some of the more heretical stuff that occurred, the prosecution, and then you move right. forward and that happened too. So yeah. yeah, there's just so much time. And also there's so many people involved. Yes. So it's just like when we're looking at any other large organization, you know, not, of course, not everybody who works for a federal government is a bad person. You will hear in the news about bad people who get caught doing something criminal or in many cases get away with doing something criminal. Uh, same deal with the banks. Same deal with banks. Not everyone who's a teller. Exactly. You know, people are widely varied. Uh, and aside from a few very common interests like breathing and eating and staying alive, <laughs> people do very different things, uh, even if they're ostensibly on the same team. And the Catholic Church at present has many, 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 many adherents. According to a 2016 study, roughly 1.272 Billion people identified as Catholic in 2014. And there are, what, how many billion people? Seven point something billion people on the globe right now? Yeah, that number is about 17% of the overall population of the world. And that, yeah, and the population of the world is still growing. It's going to be different by the time this show's over. A lot of Catholics. <laughs> yeah. A lot of Catholics. 7.4, by the way, global We've population. We've got the largest yeah. concentration of Catholics in Brazil, Mexico, the Philippines, the United States, of course, which are also the wealthiest of the Catholics. It's the wealthiest arm of the church. Um, and also Italy and Italy makes sense to be on there. You know, Philippines being on that list was surprising to me, Ben, <laughs> you know, that's an interesting story. And a lot of people in the West aren't 
too aware of the colonization of the Philippines and just how long it lasted and the countries that participated in it, but do largely uh, do in part to the Spanish occupation and colonization of the Philippines. Uh, it is the largest Catholic country in that part of the world. Gotcha. And when we talk about the Catholic Church, okay, we've talked about how strong it is in terms of people, in terms of people power, population, right? They have a lot of people. But the Catholic Church also has a lot of money, dollars, euros. There's probably a stash of Ben Bucks in there somewhere. Uh, their financial statistics are very, very interesting. So, yeah, if you think about the num- that number of people donating money every year, perhaps every week, or just every month, however uh, you do it personally, that amount of money going to a church over that time span, uh, holy mackerel, that's uh, Scrooge McDuck level of wealth right there. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm not trying to – I know that's silly, but I mean really it's hard to fathom the amount of money that is cycled through. I don't know. I could picture some you know high-level um, Catholic clergy – Swimming around in huge vaults of gold coins. I feel like that's not something you would want to do. Well, you know what's weird? Yeah, it's it's very dangerous to try that. Well, they have those big hats. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I we've thought too much about s- s- swimming around in a pile of coins, which I would I would never do just because the, touching that much metal would be weird. But um, but. You're right. At some, we all we do know that people are ultimately fallible, uh, no matter what your position is in the world. So there is a widely documented history of very corrupt people being church officials. And did one swim through money? You know what? Honestly, no. I don't know. I'm not going to say definitely not. I'm not going to say I do know, but. I wouldn't be as surprised as I wish I would be. That's probably the best way to say it. It scares me whenever you're surprised, Ben. Really? It really means something serious is going down. Did you see me lose lose my mind uh, when we're off air because I found out it was National Sandwich Day? Well, you're very passionate about sandwiches. A man's got to have a code. Hey, and the Cubs just won the World Series, you guys. That's that surprised me. That <laughs> surprised a lot of people. Matt, your uh, your gambling problem. Well, it's not a problem. You're really good at it. Yeah, ever since our episode on sports fixing, uh-huh. and as soon as they hit Game Six, I went, "Uh oh, you guys, what is going on here?" Mm-hmm. Then they were like, "Oh, we got to go to Game Seven, and all the alarms were going off. I was like, oh, "I need to get Brian Tui on the phone right now mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. figure out who I need to bet on." Yeah. Yeah, you've made some powerful friends and powerful enemies with your newfound role as a, as a gambling tycoon. <laughs> and the unfortunate news that Noel and I have for you, Matt, is no matter how successful you become at gambling, you will probably never uh, have at as much money as the Catholic Church. Well, that's not that's not what the guy told me, so I don't know. I'm going to take his word for it for now, but I appreciate it. Which is certainly something to aspire to, because as we've discussed already, the Catholic Church does have quite a bit of money. We found this quote from Wired magazine. 
that Pope Francis is not just the spiritual leader of one of the world's major religions. He's also the head of what's probably the wealthiest institution in the entire world. And that sounds like a big claim, but we have to consider again, this is a, this is an ancient organization. The time span involved alone gave it more opportunities to accumulate wealth. And we don't actually know how financially powerful this institution is. It's ginormous. For sure, but because, uh, it's not subject to some of the same accounting and disclosure rules that would apply to other, you know, other institutions, the best we can do is make guesstimates. So our best guess, uh, for a look at the, maybe the annual spending or budget of the, uh, Catholic Church comes from The Economist. And the economist breaks it down into several categories. We've got healthcare coming first with $98.6 billion reportedly spent by the members of the Catholic Health Association of the United States. Then we have education. Um, there's a lot of publicly available operating budgets that, um, they mined in order to get some of these figures. Of the 244 Catholic colleges and universities that were available, um, they added up to a $48.8 billion in parish disbursements. Then we have charities, which, uh, used the total annual budget of Catholic Charities USA, and that was $4.7 billion. Other figures included the annual budgets of other national religious organizations that are under the direction of the Catholic Church at some level. Um, and that added up to $8.5 billion. And what were some of those? Do you want to mention them specifically? Sure, yeah. There's the uh, Knights of Columbus, the armies, or, excuse me, the arms of various religious orders like Jesuits, Dominic, uh, Dominicans, Franciscans, Opus Dei, of course. Opus Dei. And then, and then there's, uh, there's another 11 billion from the Center for the Applied Research on the Apostolate at Georgetown University. And this all adds up to an estimated budget of 170 billion dollars. 170 billion dollars. In 2012. In 2012. And honestly, ladies and gentlemen, that's, that's a guesstimate. That's probably not the whole picture, uh, just because mm -hmm. we don't know. So why are we talking about money? Why is this important for the purposes of this episode? Well, we've discussed before on this show that money is the closest thing you can get in this world currently to having a superpower. Right, Ben. That's your. That's a quote from you. I remember when we were we were talking about what superpowers you we would all have, and you were just like all the money, because <laughs> then you, know, you could do literally anything in this world. That's that's interesting. Uh, I wonder, with the growth of technology, you could eventually yes. just buy superpowers. Right, CRISPR's out now, mm -hmm. so maybe you could make it where when you do that cash move, you know, uh -huh. where you. Make it rain. Slap your hands together that it actually produced $100 bills and they would just <laughs> shoot at people. That'd be a pretty sweet one. That would be great until, uh, until I totally messed up the world's currency market <laughs> or someone would cut my hands off and take them and then just put them on a machine that just continually did that. Wow. Yes. I, don't, I went to a dark place. I'm so, sorry. But the, but the point of this is that when you have an organization with this kind of power that can be weld uh, for one thing or another, having them support or oppose something on a global scale matters. And Did they you can, say can be weld? Weld. Yeah. I mean, I guess wielded. 
I just like the. That's good. No, it's, yeah. like, it's got gravitas. It yeah. does. It I, sounds like you're strolling the strolling the planks in in an Oxford theater. I've been watching too much Westworld, and I've got uh, Ford, uh, Anthony Hopkins' character, in my head at all times. For he the does past kind of draw weeks. out his syllable. No, we're getting in the weeds here, guys, but it's true. Money equals power, and it affords certain individuals that control it. uh, Let's let's call it privileges, shall we say? Sure, yeah. Having uh, the support or opposition of something uh, can can make a tremendous difference in world affairs. On a side note, I know we're in the weeds here, but, man, Vatican City is weird. Uh, Would you guys like to hear some fun facts about Vatican City? Yes, yes. Oh, great. Good, because <laughs> I don't know what I would do if you guys said no. Uh, it is the only place in the world where the ATMs are in Latin. That's nice. pretty neat. Uh, it also has the world's highest crime rate proportionally, 1.5 crimes per citizen. That's Whoa. largely an effect of the small population. These aren't necessarily violent crimes. These are like, you know, pickpockets and thefts and stuff. But until fairly recently... The age of consent in Vatican City was technically 12 years old. Humana what? Humana, yes. And it was, uh, it's since been raised to 18. Uh, that, that last fact is not, doesn't really qualify as a fun fact, but I am glad that they have raised their age of consent. Uh, and we know that even though we live in an increasingly secular world, many, many, many people many of whom are not even Catholic, are very protective of the dignity of the Catholic Church and especially the dignity of the Pope, which brings us to an interesting episode in our own lifetimes. So in 1992, in October, on the 3rd to be precise, uh, Sinead O'Connor performed uh, on Saturday Night Live. It was the Tim Robbins episode. I actually remember this. I was a wee boy at the time when it happened. <laughs> but uh I my parents always watched that show and I they would talk to me about it. Um but anyway, she performed War by Bob Marley. Uh she did it alone on stage, she did it a cappella, and during rehearsals she was going to tear up a picture of uh, I think a child, like a child who'd been abused, essentially, the idea is that this child is starving. Um, and there, I forget exactly everything that was happening around it, but it made sense to the producers of Saturday Night Live that she would do that. And that was the plan. Well, when they went to live, she pulled out a picture of the Pope and she said, she tore it up and she said, fight the real enemy. And the producers, the audience, uh, you know, it's happening live in downtown New York. Everyone was aghast. aghast. Yeah, mm-hmm. to say the least. Yes. Um, I mean, everyone was just stunned, essentially. That's a, that's what my understanding of it was. Yeah. Because it's not something you do. There was a massive backlash. People went bonkers in a very, very bad way. And I can only imagine the amount of, uh, phone calls, mail that Saturday Night Live received about that and the network. That owns them. Uh, by way of apology, uh, when Joe Pesci hosted Saturday Night Live, uh, he had the photograph taped back together, presented it on air, wild applause from yeah. people, and then uh, said, you know, he would have – I can't remember his exact phrase. I don't – He know. said he would grab her by the eyebrows. That's what it was. He was, he was acting like he was going to grab her by the hair, like pretending by, yeah. the, uh, by the eyebrows. Yeah, yeah. And uh, 
Madonna rediscovered her own <laughs> Catholicism. At the time, yep. And again, I'm not going to question the sincerity of someone's beliefs. Uh, but Have you seen the Like a Prayer video? I mean, she's clearly quite religious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, I've never met Madonna, but Madonna, if you're listening, um, you come on the show. <laughs> yes, please. You can but, come on. But what... Uh, ultimately, what we're seeing here is people yeah. were so upset about this happening. So instantly upset. Yeah. Yes. And why? Why were they instantly upset? And why would she do this? That was the question on everyone's mind at the time. And we have an answer to that right after a word from our sponsor. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy to use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. 
Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. And we're back with the answer that we had mentioned at the top of the show. Uh, Sinead O'Connor was not just being some sort of precious performance artist. Instead, she was remarking, as she said in later interviews, on the hushed up abuse occurring in various parts of the Catholic Church around the world and various institutions. She herself was a victim of abuse. And the Catholic Church, of course, for their part, has never officially condoned any abuse in its recent history. So, you know, of course, in the distant past, they would condone Inquisition trials or torture of native peoples and so on. But the modern Catholic Church is not, you know, is is in no way um, pro that sort of monstrous stuff. Absolutely not. However, not only has there been a proven epidemic of child abuse within the, within the Catholic Church, where we're talking children of all ages, primarily boys, uh, but there's also no telling how far back this abuse has gone, where it where it originated, or to what degree it occurred, or how often it occurs today, right now, as we're making this podcast. Right. Many cases have been actively covered up or ignored, with higher-ups in the church relocating abusive priests rather than having them prosecuted or invest, investigated or prosecuted mm-hmm. in a court of law. In the United States, this phenomenon gained attention in the mid-80s. In 1985, a fellow named Father Gilbert Gothe of Lafayette, Louisiana, pled guilty to abusing at least 11 boys over his time in the area. There's a piece here from Minnesota Public Radio. It goes into detail about this. It's villainous. Uh, I just want to warn you before you hear this, ladies and gentlemen. The priest took boys on camping trips and invited them for sleepovers in the rectory. He claimed old practices for altar boys every day at 6 a.m. and encouraged parents to let their boys spend the night. His sexual appetite was uncontrollable. He put bars on the windows of a rectory. He kept a gun by the side of his bed, and when children refused to submit, he threatened to use it. And then it goes in detail about what he forced these kids to do with him to each other and how he documented it on a Polaroid camera and how this went on for more than a decade. He remained in the ministry even when his bishop learned he had abused one boy and licked the faces of two others. After the second complaint, the bishop transferred him to a small church in the isolated town of Henry, Louisiana. And finally, in 1983, a boy told his father, uh, Wayne Segrera, about this. Segrera reported it to the diocese. The bishop sent uh, the father away for psychological treatment and offered nine families confidential settlements of more than $4 million. The reason we know about this is because one family refused to settle and they went public. And then the American public uh, woke up to first that, you know, close community and then the rest of the U.S. became more aware of this. Yeah, he ended up going, getting charged with several cases, got a sentence of 20 years. Then he got out in nine years for good behavior. Uh, then he went back for another case of abuse for a few more years, then was released again. Um, this is an interesting, messed up case. If you want to learn more about it, feel free. 
uh, I would not recommend it, but go for it. So documentation from the time also showed that the church uh, was supposedly concerned of a possible, quote, domino effect occurring. And Reverend Thomas Doyle, who was a canon lawyer, wondered how far the scandal went, which is, you know, part of the question that we're asking today. Um, was this an isolated case? Was it more widespread? Eventually, he became more and more concerned that the resulting revelations could, in fact, bring down the Catholic Church in the United States. And he teamed up with Father Gothe's defense lawyer, a fellow named Ray Moten, and they um, created a confidential report, it was confidential at the time, called The Problem of Sexual Molestation by Roman Catholic Clergy. It warned that hundreds of priests might be abusing children and that the lawsuits and settlements could cost the U.S. Catholic Church a billion dollars in 10 years. Today, this formerly confidential document is available online. If you Google the title, you will find it. So they worked on this. They presented it to the um, to the church authorities, and apparently it was ignored. In fact, Doyle believes his career was ruined because of his push for the church to confront the brewing abuse scandals. So let's talk a little bit about the percentage of people that are that would be doing this stuff. A survey of the 10 largest U.S. dioceses found 234 priests from a total of 25,616 in those dioceses have had allegations of sexual abuse made against them in the last 50 years. Yeah, the report doesn't say how many of these were proven versus how many were allegations. Uh, so we do know a couple things. This means that it's by no means, again, something involving every member of the church, nor is it in any way indicating that every clergy member even knew about the situation. Like, it's completely possible that people just weren't are in, in a situation where they saw that kind of behavior from a clergy member. Um, yeah, because that's what all, like, that is a small percentage Mm-hmm. Of the priests. And you know, the vast majority of the vast majority, whether it's Christianity, whether it's Buddhism, wh- regardless of the religion, the vast majority of people who choose to dedicate their life to religious contemplation or religious service are obviously kinder people in many ways than the average bear. You know what I mean? But than the average Berenstein. Um, I was trying to do a Mandela effect <laughs> joke, and I just don't think it worked. No, you no, you did. You did it. <laughs> Except- Is it Berenstain? Is it Berenstain? I don't even know anymore. Stain, but I don't uh, know. So the next question, and one that people have spent a lot of time exploring, is what what causes this phenomenon? Because it's real. It's apparently been something that happens in multiple countries multiple situations, multiple places, multiple socioeconomic backgrounds. So what what's the cause? Well, according to Lori Goodstein, who wrote for the New York Times, that there are several contributing factors, and the first one is that it's just a matter of sheer numbers. Catholics make up about a quarter of the U.S. population, like we talked about earlier. They're the largest single religious denomination that exists. Mm-hmm. And second, the church keeps extensive documentation, meaning they're going to have, or at least they're more likely to have some kind of paper trail that you can mm-hmm. follow. Yeah. And third, Goodstein believes factors involving the nature of the priesthood itself may actually contribute to this abuse epidemic. 
And within this one, you, you have to know that priests have this exalted position. There is this, uh, this thing called, uh, Ben, you might have to say this for me, but I'm going to say it. In persona Christi? Essentially the argument being that for true believers, this is one of the ultimate authority figures. This is your direct line to God. Essentially allowing for the potential for some of these folks to develop a bit of a God complex, perhaps. Or abuse that power in some form or another. Right. Well, just in terms of seeing themselves as an ultimate, you know, figure of authority and twisting that in a very unhealthy way, which leads us to the next point. Yeah, I right. think I don't even think it's seeing themselves in that way. I think it's knowing that the other person sees you in that way. Well, imagine if you're if you're a child and there is some religious authority figure who wants to make you do something, whether it's whether it's some sort of abuse or whether it's something as simple as like I don't know, st- stealing a euro mm-hmm. or whatever, and they say, "Well, you don't want to go to hell, do you?" Uh, no, that's my favorite sandwich, and yeah, I'll do that for good you. Good and go to heaven, etc. So there's a very there, there's a very unequal power ratio there, or authority ratio, and unfortunately, certain um, diseased individuals use that. Um, Goodstein also points out that there are celibacy requirements, and that the priesthood is all male. And some of her colleagues who have looked into this have cited. Those two things in particular mm-hmm. as factors, which I think is understandable, uh, that that would contribute to something. But, you know, we also have to note, as she does, that this sort of abuse occurs in institutions that have married clergy and it happens in other religions and it happens in just non-religious family structures. It's a very, very different lifestyle, you know, um, and you're also you are in a position of authority in that kind of service, but you're also answerable to this gigantic organizational hierarchy. You know what I mean? You're very much living within a system and living within a system is not a bad thing. Everybody lives in some sort of system. The most anarchist person alive. If you're listening right now, you live in an ecosystem and like the laws of gravity still govern you. I'm sorry, man. Nah, man. (laughs) No, I don't believe it. So there's another thing. So these are these are factors that are pretty strong factors, I would argue. Um, And I know that Goodstein doesn't completely uh, agree with all of those, especially when it talks about the structure lending itself Mm -hmm. to it. But we um, we do know that regardless of the cause, there have been difficulties in prosecuting these events. I think before we get into this final wrap-up, we should have one more quick sponsor break. So since some of the events come to light many years, decades even, after investigators in different countries uh, found statute of limitations had passed, meaning that cases were not prosecutable, Right. Yeah, Someone yeah. comes forward in the 1990s about something that happened in the 50s. Um, these may differ by country, but then sometimes the offender has passed away or is um, you know, maybe senile or simply untouchable. Yeah, because we're talking about fear. Fear, uh, first off, as a child, if you're being abused, um, fear of an organization, fear of God even comes into play when we're, when you're dealing with this kind of abuse. 
And it's a tremendously, I, I'm only speaking from, you know, what I believe it is like, but I can imagine that it would be one of the hardest things ever to do in your entire life to come forward and admit that something like this has happened to you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And another factor that goes here um, is that the Catholic Church, for its part, has made several public statements that it is uh, addressing this phenomenon. In 2002, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops initiated strict new guidelines or zero tolerance guidelines for the protection of children and youth in Catholic institutions across the country. Then in 2009, church officials noted that abuse uh, occurs in other religions and institutions and indicated that this could be seen as uh, some kind of disproportionate focus on the Catholic Church itself uh, right. in, instead of looking at it as a whole in either religious organizations or organizations worldwide. Right, right. And then uh, there's something that uh, you talked about earlier off air, Matt, the McClellan Commission. Yeah, that was that was in Scotland. It occurred in Scotland with the Catholic Church there. Uh, there was a report that was published on August 18th, 2015. And it was again looking at these, like what policies should the Catholic Church enact to ensure that children are protected? That's what it was looking at. Uh, however, it didn't go into any specifics of abusers or where abuse was occurring or how the Catholic Church uh, responded to it. It, it, it was looked at by uh, critics. Mm-hmm. As being, I think they called it fluffy, a fluffy report, and it just made everything, oh, you know, it was like a, um, let's, let's discuss it. Let's say that there's wrongdoing, but there are no real answers here on how to protect children in the future. Still, the church has officially declared it will take action with the, um, like against these abusers, uh, Pope Francis in September 2015 famously in one of his speeches saying that all responsible will be held accountable. And, you know, critics of the, the system or the organization or the institution are obviously going to say that they feel that is, you know, a bunch of PR spin essentially. But other people, um, especially many Many, um, many people, not just Catholics, uh, but secular people or people from different religions will say, well, this is a very, 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 very large organization and they're hunting a small number of people. But again, it is an inarguable fact that more than one time, uh, more than one time, higher up authorities got reports of abuse and just relocated the offender. Yes, and it goes all the way up to the Pope in some instances. Uh, there were newer reports coming out that the previous Pope, uh, Pope Ratzinger, Ratz, uh, or Ratzinger is his actual name, but it was Pope Benedict. I ah, believe, that's right. You're right. Um, that he was aware and attempting to pro- to like root out some of these people, but also alternate reports that were saying that he may have been involved with some of this stuff. And then the same with Pope John Paul II, uh, like how much did he know? And you can refine, you can find reports on NBC. You can find reports on. Any news organization about Not to this mention stuff. the Boston Globe Spotlight. Team. Yes, that became a movie. Became a, a very well-regarded film, and these investigative journalists uncovered, um, I believe, more than 130 crimes, more than 130 instances of childhood abuse since the 1990s that were essentially covered up 
quite a ways up the chain. Yeah, yeah, and that, that goes, I think those reports came out around 2002. And that led to some resignations in Boston, right? It did. Uh, you know, that is one example of what investigative journalism can do. And that's one thing that you can really point to and say, wow, it, it, it works when a group of people get together and try and figure out bad stuff when it's happening and then just open their mouths or write it down on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it makes me feel good about the future of what investigative journalism could be. Well, speaking of superpowers, I mean, that is one of the very few that we can actually wield is the ability to shed light on things that uh, others would maybe rather have remain in the dark. Yeah. And we are going to wrap up the episode today. Uh, we hope that this has been valuable information. Uh, again, this is not by any means a conspiracy theory. It has tragically been proven true. And at this point, we, um, we don't know, uh, how far back this stuff goes, to what degree various people were complicit. And of course, as we've taken pains to say several times, we're talking about the bad guys. We're not talking about all people who are Catholic or anything like that. Or priests or yeah, anything. Mm-hmm. And as you guys know, uh, this is a serious thing, uh, though it might sound strange to some listeners. As you guys knew, I, uh, I spent a lot of time when I was younger hanging out at a monastery and, uh, it, it was awesome, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's one very, very, very important thing that we want to emphasize for anyone who is listening to this um, and has concerns. Although it can always feel like you are alone or isolated or trapped, you are not. Uh, there are people who have dedicated their lives to helping you or a loved one who's in a situ, an abusive situation. You know, whether that's something involving the cases we're talking about now or whether that's something like domestic violence. You have people you can reach out to. And, uh, there's a number here for the Child Help National Child Abuse Hotline, uh, which you can contact. It's an 800 number. It's 1-800. 4224453 do not hesitate to to reach out for people to people it's frightening it's terrifying it's scary and it's not your fault and i know that that brings the tone down a little bit but i think we like the three of us agreed that's important information yep. absolutely and, and sure. uh, we as always really appreciate your time and we'd like to ask you for a favor if you are inclined to social media and internetting, as so many people are, uh, why not drop by and give us a, a visit, a like, a subscribe on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube. Uh, you could also, if you're feeling charitable, mm-hmm. uh, give us a review on uh, our iTunes page or wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, it- you should note there that there is a video feed and an audio feed for mm-hmm. th- for this show. And if you put a review, make sure you put it on the audio one. Because <laughs> we, we're getting your views on the video feed for the show. <laughs> All right. Um, and that's the end of this classic episode. If you have any thoughts or questions about this episode, you can get into contact with us in a number of different ways. One of the best is to give us a call. Our number is 1-833-STDWYTK. If you don't want to do that, you can send us a good old-fashioned email. We are. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. 
Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X dot com.